Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. First of all, I want to thank everyone who participated in yesterday's blessing of the animals. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Diane had done some wonderful work to uh, expand what we were doing this year in terms of uh, activities for the children. But then uh, we also discussed after that how we can expand it more next year. And so uh, I think it's just going to be a great event for us uh, throughout the years. And my dog uh, was the only one who sizzled when I sprinkled holy water on him. So I think we're pretty good. I think we're pretty good. Uh, if you remember the Old Testament reading today, that, we were discussing that on Wednesday night at Seed and Soil. And it was a, we had a powerful conversation about trust and how, how could Abraham trust God that much uh, that he could, he could say when his son warily says, well, we got the knife and we got the wood and we got the fire and it's just you and me, dad. <laughs> Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice. And uh, there's a sense in which when you read that, you say, God, Abraham knew that he wasn't going to be sacrificing his son. He was willing to for God, but after God had made all those promises about how this great people and nations would come through Isaac, God knew, I mean, Abraham knew that if he did sacrifice him, God was going to have to resurrect him. <laughs> so one way or the other to keep his promises. But it was a real, real act of trust. And of course, that's what we're talking about. Uh, we talked about last week, can we trust God? And that's what Abraham did. And then today the question is, can God trust me? It's a big question. Are you and I trustworthy? In the gospel we heard today, Jesus addresses how we deal with our possessions by telling this parable about an owner and a manager. You know, it's interesting because in Jesus' stories and in his teachings, how often he's talking about commerce, about business, about money, and how we handle our money. Uh, it wasn't because, actually, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about prayer or faith, for that matter, uh, almost four times as much. And it's not because Jesus is after anyone's money. He was not some televangelist, you know, out, out there on the hustings trying to get a lot of money in. It was because he cared about your heart. He wants our hearts. And he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So to him, it was essential that we get our treasure located properly so that our heart could be in the right place. So he's kind of talking about this in today's gospel. And uh, what we wind up with is listening to this story about this rather, what, what do we call him? A scoundrel, I believe. I love that word. What? Rascal. rascal a rascally, rascally manager. And uh, what cartoon was that from? I don't remember. Bugs Bunny. That's right. Rascally. <laughs> And this rascally manager who the, the owner uh, has found he cannot trust. And so the owner does what has to be the most stupid thing for management ever. I can't trust you. 
get the books in order because I'm firing you. <laughs> you know, can, can you imagine? But anyway, the, so the uh, manager goes around and does some uh, shady work. But let's back up a little and just talk about why the manager was accountable to the owner. Because that tells us something about our relationship with God. Uh, first of all, the reason the manager is accountable to the owner is because it's the owner's. And he's bringing in this person to manage what he owns. Uh, that's important for us to remember that in our lives, God is the owner. And we are the managers. I remember reading somewhere, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to God. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Everything I have, including my ability to have anything, my ability to earn an income, comes from the Lord. And until we can settle this issue, we're always going to be having a problem in the area of stewardship of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Because see, if I believe I'm the owner, then God is butting into my life. He is intruding upon me. But the moment I understand that God is the owner and I manage what he owns, then the conflict goes away. So let's do a little quiz. You made, let's just say you made $400 last week. What part of that is God's? Would you say 40? Actually, the answer is 400. It's all God's. It all belongs to God, and that's what we need to understand. It's a question of lordship. And then the second thing is, the owner has expectations of the manager. Okay? When the master comes, he wants to know what's been done with what he has entrusted to the manager. And there are a lot of expectations because there are a lot of things that have been entrusted to us. Okay, first of all, ourselves. The owner expects for us to give ourselves to him and to manage ourselves for his glory. That's why Paul said in Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then our possessions, which we've already talked about, those all belong to God, and it's why Jesus said in Luke 14, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Well, what he's talking about is giving up our claim to ownership right? and recognizing we are managers of God's possessions. This is not a story about rich people being bad or poor people being good. This is a story about however much money I have, do I consider it, do I consider myself to be a steward of this money that God has allowed me to earn or given me the gifts and talents to earn? Yeah. Keep that in mind. Money's not bad. It's just we got to use it properly so that our heart's in the right location. We have to use it properly to invest in the kingdom. Okay? The third area where God wants accountability is time. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And I would add, short, how'd it get to be October? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God has given us just enough time to do what he wants us to do in this life. So we need to use our time wisely. And that begins with Bible and prayer. Because it is in reading the Bible and praying and sitting with God and listening to him that we begin to get a better sense of what God wants us to do with our time in this life. And then fourth is our spiritual gifts. God didn't give those to us so that we could sit around and say, my, I am a gifted person. Look at me. Uh, The master has an expectation we're going to do something with those spiritual gifts. And we're blessed in order to be a blessing to others. I know you've heard that a thousand times come out of my mouth and probably from this pulpit 8,000 times. But we are blessed to be a blessing to others. I I have these people who come up and tell me they feel guilty because uh, God's blessed them with so many riches. And I'm like... Enjoy it and be a blessing to others. You know, what's, what's the problem? God blessed you to bless. Enjoy the blessing. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied graces. You can't hide your gifts under a bushel, okay? Because this parish, like every church community, is a microcosm of the body of Christ where all the gifts and talents are present to build up the body. And if you're, if you're talent shy and you want to hide your gifts and talents, then we're going to be running on a deficit of gifts and talents. We need everybody sharing their gifts and talents, working together to build up the body of Christ here at 5501 North Midkiff. Okay? And finally, God is entrusting us with the gospel. The good news, the story of redemption, the story of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising again to offer us new life. What does Corinthians say? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God is counting on us to be his messengers. Now, if you're saying to yourself, I don't know how to do that, then I have an easy answer for you. Call Skip Hedgepeth and just ask to spend some time with him in his wonderful ministry that he does. I have never met someone who is more graceful uh, and just spirit-filled in what he does than Skip. And it is a blessing. I just, you know, when I'm with Skip and we're doing a ministry item together for some reason, I just want to pull out and start taking notes, you know. Just, I feel like I'm sitting under the master's uh, hand. Uh, but sometimes, Skip, we need to get you to talk about that for a little while. Just sharing the good news, the gospel, because you do it so beautifully. Um, and God is counting on us to do that. Now, there are four lessons we can learn from this parable that Jesus shared today. First of all, the manager was admired for his wise use of opportunity. Okay? In verse 8, the master praises his dishonest manager. And 
he's not praising him for being dishonest or doing a bad job. Let's look at what he says. And Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So here this manager knows, okay, I'm about to be canned. I am going to go through and I'm going to basically bless everybody with the owner's money. And I am going to uh, make sure that I have friends who will take care of me when I, am, uh, no, longer, I no longer have this job. And Jesus is saying, you know, the sons of the kingdom aren't as smart about investing in their future as this guy is with uh, this world. And he's saying we need to learn about investing in our futures. The, uh, Jesus says in Luke 16, 9, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. All right. When we die, you know what fails? Our credit cards, our cash. You know, I, I can't carry them with me. And there's no bank there to take them. And uh, so I need to have invested in other ways. And there's an old saying that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Now you do that by investing in others for the sake of the kingdom. By using what God has given you to bless others. And I want you to know something. This past year, the gifts you have given here have made it possible for this church family, your church family, to support missionaries and missions that spread the gospel of Christ. You have enabled us to help orphans and families working to build a better life in the third world. Locally, you've done the same thing through outreach and other uh, ways that we give. You have helped orphans. You have helped families in need. You have helped unwed mothers. You have helped children at risk unemployed persons. We've helped a lot of people. Thank God for some people who happen to be moved by the Lord to give donations to uh, the priest's discretionary fund. I know just in the last week or two, Jonathan and I must have helped like 12 families, uh, and we were able to because of the gifts to the discretionary fund. So God bless you for those things as well. Uh, you have helped people put their lives back together after the ravages of addiction. All of this is being done in the name of Jesus Christ. And there is no telling how many people will, when you get to heaven, are going to come to you and say, thank you for what you did. Because you gave, in some cases, you're going to hear, because you gave, I was able to keep my house and take care of my family. Because you gave, I was able to overcome addiction because you helped me get into a place that could minister to me. Because you gave on and on and on and on. There are so many ways that you have given and helped people tangibly, practically in this life today. So God bless you for all that you have done. This foolish steward was commended because... When he realized there, were a problem, there was a problem, he took an action to fix it. It wasn't the right action, but he was a sharp guy. And Jesus is saying, let's be sharp about the kingdom of heaven. And the good news is that God 
gives us, just like the owner, God, uh, gave this man, we're given a chance to change our situation, okay? Recently, I read this quote. I love it. Though we cannot go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new end, okay? Though we cannot go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new end. Never lose hope. Never fall into despair. You know, the devil loves to do that. He loves to get you so dwelling on your past and on your mistakes of your past that you can't focus on God or believe that God wants to have anything to do with you. But that's not true. I think one of the best examples of that is after Peter has denied Christ three times, uh, Jesus cooks some fish for him and says, hey, we've got work to do. Let's get busy loving. The second thing we learn, though, is that trust must be earned. Okay, so uh, that's the second thing the Lord teaches us from this parable. Why would the master give me more if I misuse what I have? In Luke 16, Jesus says, we're going to hear one of two things. No, he doesn't say that in Luke 16. He's going to say that later. What he says in Luke 16 is, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Jesus is saying, you know, if you can't be faithful in the small things, if you can't do things to promote health, to be more responsible as you move along, then uh, why do you think you would be entrusted with greater things? Trust has to be earned. And the more that we earn trust, the more trust is given. The less trust we, the less reliable we show ourselves to be, the more trust is pulled away. It's just like with children. They receive what they are trustworthy to hold. And as they show they're trustworthy with that, we entrust them with more. So how much can God trust you? Are there opportunities or spiritual gifts or possessions that God is holding on to? To give you, but he withholds them because you're not using the opportunities you have right now. You know, I think that's why I haven't won the lottery. Uh, because I'm, I'm sure that he would give it to me if I just would get my act together. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but how much can God entrust to you? Jesus says, when we have given account of ourselves, we may hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Or we may hear, you're a wicked and slothful servant. Be cast into outer darkness. Here's what I know I want to, all of you to hear is that first one. And you need to know something. How God measures trust, it's not by what you're going to do. 
He measures trust by what you're doing right now. Now, see, that's the thing is, is that I can tell God why I need to win the lottery. Man, he's going to be in good shape when I win the lottery. You know, all the things I'm going to do for him when I do that. And God could care less. What he wants to know is, what are you doing with what I gave you today? That's what matters. I love the story of the pastor whose church was in a farming community. And he was trying to get this point across to one, a farmer he was visiting with. And he said, okay, let's look at it this way. If you had 100 cattle and the Lord asked you for 50, would you give it to him? Oh, you bet. I love the Lord. He certainly can have 50 of those cattle. And if you had 100 horses and the Lord asked you for 50, would you give it to him? Absolutely. You know, the Lord, if it's mine, it's the Lord's. He said, well, what if you had two hogs and the Lord asked you for one of them? Would you give it to him? He said, well, pastor, that's not fair. You know I have two hogs. <laughs> God is not impressed by what we say we'll do. He's looking closely at what we actually do. So briefly, in closing, there's just one more lesson we can learn from this story. And that is to be wholly devoted to God. Jesus says in that last verse, Luke 16, 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So let me just leave you with this question. Ask yourself this week, who do I serve? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.